Aliens, and welcome back to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. As always, I am your host, Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, are my Millennial Falcons. Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And our Technomage. Ren, a.k.a. Pyrelily. And Nick, why don't you go ahead and remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social media, that is Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at the Area 51H. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube for, by searching for Area 51 and a half. And of course, check out our Patreon for interesting little goodies, fun little goodies, and a shout out on our episodes. Yeah, and you know what? Please interact with us. Interact with our Facebook. We want to hear from you. Yes, we I, do. I would like to know what the aliens would like us to talk about. That would be fun. We would love to see pictures of your pets. Well, Ren would like to see pictures I, of your pets. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm good with seeing pictures I, of your pets. I'm too. a bit indifferent. <laughs> I, I, I don't care as much. But, but you know, if, if it, they're doing something funny like Pinhead Chihuahua. I live for Pinhead Chihuahua. I saw that. I died. I live for that. I live I am, for that. Okay, seriously. Here's the movie. Pinhead Chihuahua versus Dogpool. That, that will make no money at the box office, but I would watch it. <laughs> you know what? I, I, it might make money at the box it office. You never know because there's all kinds of indie movies. Speaking of indie movies, word on the street from Kyle. Mm -hmm. Remember, guys, we did that a, a yeah. little while ago. To bring the aliens up to speed. A few years ago, I invested in uh, young filmmaker Kahilton. I hope I, I hope I said his last name right. Um, and he was doing a short film called Massacre at Femur Creek. And it's a kind of a horror comedy spoof of the slasher movies. Yeah. Specifically John Carpenter. We're both John Carpenter fans. Uh, our friend John Miori, who uh, yep. did an interview on one of our Halloween episodes, is in it as the shape, as the serial killer. So he's back playing that role. I couldn't help produce it this time. I'm not as financially well off as I was about 10 years ago. So Kyle has now made a feature-length film. Mm -hmm. Spooky Uncle John got to be a voice actor. I play a weatherman. Not just any weatherman, though. A deranged weatherman on the radio who is basically announcing the weather for the apocalypse. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. Another thing, my, my wonderful Millennial Falcons... You might have noticed I'm still having my beard. I have not gotten rid of my beard, mm -hmm. which I accidentally grew back in October. You accidentally... I, I, what did how you... does one accidentally grow a beard, I hear you mutter? This, this is how one accidentally grows a beard. When you are a full-time caregiver for an elderly, uh, infirm mother, and you just don't bother shaving, and then one day you look and you go, Oh, I have grown a beard. <laughs> okay. It worked well for Christmas because I got to play Santa Claus as yeah. a real beard Santa. Mm -hmm. Not, And I had to do a lot of makeup in there because my beard is not white or gray. And so then I kept it for Little Red Riding Hood mm -hmm. when I was playing Fatherhood because it made sense. And then I have to keep it now because I applied and have been shortlisted to be a background performer in Guillermo del Toro's upcoming film, Prodigal Father, working title, I think. Yeah, probably. Ooh. Yeah. Filming coming, in March. Is he coming back to St. Thomas? No, 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 no. No, this will be up in Toronto Tr way. Uh. Toronto way. But, th but let me explain to those who don't know what the process is. Process is they have their mass submissions. Yeah. Hey, we're looking for people. Give us your pictures. Spooky Uncle John sends in his picture and waits. And, and here's waits. nothing. And then suddenly an email shows up. It's like, you have been shortlisted. Congratulations. Pending director approval. So I still may not make it. However, exciting news because I want to be in a Guillermo del Toro horror movie. Even, well, yeah. in, even in the background. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You're still in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I don't care that it's minimum wage. I don't care that my entire paycheck will probably go to a hotel in Toronto somewhere. I it's don't care. It. I want to do it. Yeah. I want to do it. So that's the exciting news. Stay tuned. We'll let you know because, you know, there, there may be a March episode. I can't be here. 
Wow. Well, we shall see. Yeah. But I have to let the beard continue to grow. Can't trim it. So I had to. I had to send a text to my barber. I said, "You know, I love you. You're like the. You're my dude. You know, but you are. You haven't seen me since before Christmas, and you won't be for a while. Yeah. Sorry, because bro. I gotta let it grow. If they do choose me, then they will cut and style mm-hmm. it. So yeah. it might be a while before. I, and he's like sweetest guy. Blackcomb uh, Barbershop. He's got two locations. Blenheim here in St. Thomas. He's mm-hmm. a fabulous guy. Uh, and he's just, oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. I'll see you when I see you. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's just marvelous that way. Um, what's going on with you guys? Anything new and exciting? Well, uh, as we advertised in the last episode, we had our Denny's game night. And it went very well. Um, yes, it did. We had a lot of people out for the night. Um I ate a lot of food. <laughs> you ate so much food. Oh, Nick, you oh, ate so much food. It's like, it's like tomorrow there was not going to be any food left. Yeah, basically. But yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, we had some people playing Mario Kart. We had some people playing uh, Connect 4. We had some people playing all sorts of different board games. And we're doing it again. We're going to do this again every Monday night. And yeah, so come on out. Yep. It'll be a lot of fun. Four, uh, four to, starts at 4, goes to 8. Uh, I'm going to start setting up uh, occasional D&D sessions. Uh, I'm going to call it Denny's and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll be getting people to, I'll be looking for signups for that. So uh, watch out for that in the coming, uh, probably coming few days. And yeah, 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 it was good. And they have specials on apps uh, for, yep. uh, I think it's nachos and matzo sticks oh for my. a special price. So that's I, fantastic. I had never had Danny's nachos before and I wasn't expecting that kick, but man, it they're, kicked. They're different. Kicked they're, like a mule, let me tell yeah, you. It's, it's a little different because it, it seems like they, we're so off topic from pop culture, but who cares? Um, the nachos it, are pop culture. The, yeah, they, they have, it's almost like a chili sauce. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. like your typical burgers. Like, and it's got some heat to it. And then there's like, I don't know what cheese they're using, but it's, it's not, like it's not your typical cheddar sauce. It, it was, it was almost like a, a queso. It was yeah. It really was good. Yeah. It's got some bite to it for sure. Yeah. What's new with you, Ren? I'm working. You yes. are. Ca- you are. Yeah. Yes, uh, you were not here the last episode because you know somebody got to pay the bills. Yeah, my 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 part time it's kind of turned into a full time because summer is starting and we have summer is starting in February. Oh, already? Yeah, we have lots of things going on and a lot of festivals. I'll actually be out, possibly going to a bunch of uh, taco and beer festivals in Southwest. Oh, Virginia, that's awesome. So. Well, to be fair, around here, it's like uh, late autumn never left. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had one day of snowfall, real we, real snowfall, that went away within two days. As it turns out, we are in the middle of a drought right now. Yeah. And that's what's happening. There's no, like, there's no moisture. There's just nothing. There is an El Nino. Uh, our friends out in BC are getting walloped with snow our friends out in nova scotia are getting walloped with snow here in the great lakes area we're just like is it ever going to snow but that's what's gonna make april 8th so amazing well i hope it's not gonna be overcast oh it better not we are in the zone people we are in the area where the full solar eclipse will happen yeah apparently if you go like just a few kilometers north of here you're not gonna see it and I'm or, t- like, it won't be a full eclipse. No, no, uh, just even, like, uh, 20 minutes down the road. Yep. So everyone needs to flock down here to our area. And we need to have Little Shop of Horrors karaoke. I'm sorry. We just have to. <laughs> Little sh- no, I can't do that. That's not right. Yep. <laughs> we need to have that. But on those notes as to what we are all doing, it is time for Nick's Pop Culture Roundup. All right, first thing we're going to talk about is the new video game, Pal World. And this is, <laughs> oh my God. So we watched, I haven't played it yet. Okay. Um, we were watching uh, Game It, was it Let's Game, game, Let's it, game out. it Out. Uh, who uh, does, you, you explain it. He's a YouTuber who basically gets games and sees how much he can mess them up. Okay. So he will like try to find all the glitches. He'll try to like, see how high he can build things and how wide and like 
oh, can I go on top of this building that I'm not supposed to go on top of? Typically, yes, you can. Um, and basically, he just he will spend days on days on days messing with the game. So he's basically testing the limits. In a way, and the yeah. boundaries. Yeah, in, in the most chaotic way possible, and it's and amazing. He, like, he is hilarious when he does it, too. <laughs> So we're we're watching this video of him playing Pal World, and he is just looking to see what you can do that you probably shouldn't be able to do in this game. Like for example, he there there's a there's a human merchant, a guy <laughs> selling items out in the wild. A human merchant, as in he's selling humans, or he's a <laughs> merchant who is a human. Well, I feel uh, he's a merchant that is human, and I feel the need to specify that because we're also dealing with a. Uh, a world of weird little monsters. So okay, so uh, nursery school, <laughs> indeed. And and so you have the like like Pokemon, like the game that this is clearly ripping off, <laughs> in, in 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 the most loving way possible, obviously with guns. Um, the he throws the device you use to capture the pals at the merchant. You and throw first, device. It's yes. not a well, rip off at it's all. It's a pal sphere. I a pal sphere. Yes, there we go. I, be I believe it's what it's called. It's, Sorry. A, it's not a ball, it's a sphere. Mm -hmm. And like he, he catches he, the merchant. He though. catches the merchant. And <laughs> gotta catch them all. Yeah. No kidding. This merchant and, is packing heat. Oh, he's packing all the heat. Uh, he drop he drops like all all, the, all of his money, and the guy steals it, and it's just it like it looks like a ridiculous game. How Shakespearean! Give one give one of these sphere catchers to Shylock. I'll get that merchant. There we go. I bite my tongue at thee. Anyway, um, I throw my my catching sphere at thee. Pal sphere. So yeah, it it looks it looks enjoyable. It is, um. It's a very open world style game, and it it just looks it it's, looks like fun, but it, it involves like I said, it involves guns, and you can craft <laughs> items. And you still have not found or have me play Squirrel with a gun. It's not out yet. Yeah. What? Okay, look, you I announced this like my... in our what first sec like our first yeah, season. Yeah, I have it on my Steam games. wish list. So once it comes out, we'll play it. Any sort of little animal with a gun, I'm there for. Like I, I don't want to. I don't. I, I just want to come and chill and laugh when I play a video game. I, I goat simulator. Goat simulator. I, oh. I, when it when it comes on sale, because I'm not I'm not paying full price for it. But when it comes on sale, I am getting Goat Simulator three. And you have to show me Power Wash. Yes. Oh, I love Power Wash. I. I have Power Wash. I haven't played it yet. I have it on my PS5. It was the free game for last year. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, uh, everybody is angry at Dwayne Johnson. Why is everyone angry at The Rock? I thought he was beloved by all. Well, it's kind of compounding on things. A lot of people got really mad at him with the Black Adam thing. People got mad at him with the Moana thing. And what, okay, what did Moana do what, to anybody? What, 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 is, what is the Black Adam thing and what is the Moana thing? So, the, so basically, Black Adam sucked. And it did blamed, not. It I, did not. It didn't. But it didn't do well, and everybody, everybody blamed Dwayne Johnson. You can't for blame that. him for that. That's that's that is just superhero burnout. It's DC exhaustion because I don't disagree with that. their movies have not been great. You can't blame Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He was fabulous. I liked the movie very much. I thought it was very enjoyable, particularly those initial scenes when Black Adam comes out and just shows how powerful he is. And it was all uh -huh. done in like slow motion and stopped. It was beautiful. So the Moana thing is they're making a live action Moana and The Rock straight up uh, went on and uh, announced it. And everybody just started saying that he's just trying to do things for money. And, and like, no kidding, he's a businessman. That's he's, his job. He, yeah. Hello. But people were decrying him for that. The whole uh, thing with Oprah and Hawaii, where um, Oprah and Dwayne Johnson were trying to get people to donate for the, the fires down in Hawaii. And people were like, you two are rich enough. You can donate your own money, which I think oh. is stupid. Oh. Okay. But let's get into why at least the wrestling community as a whole is angry at Dwayne Johnson. So, last weekend was the Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble, and they've been doing this story for two years now where Cody is supposed to 
finish the story with Roman Reigns. So this past uh, Friday on SmackDown, Cody comes out, um, and instead of saying, all right, Roman, it's you and me at WrestleMania, he says, you're going to be fighting this guy at WrestleMania. The Rock comes down. And a lot of people are looking at this as The Rock is now on the board. He has more power in the company than pretty much anyone, and he's interjecting himself into this. I have never seen a crowd boo The Rock this hard. Like, normally when The Rock comes down, um, his music hits, it's drowned out by cheers. This time it was drowned out by boos. And to add to that, they've set a YouTube record with this video. Um, 277,000 dislikes in nine hours. Over 2 million views. It bad. So I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at him. Be very honest with you. I want to. I'm always going to sit there and see. Say, let's see where the storyline goes. But a lot of people are disappointed that it's not going to be Roman and Cody at WrestleMania because that's what has basically been promised to us over the last two years. And people are upset that The Rock has kind of hijacked the WrestleMania main event. Maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe there's a reason. That needs well, to there, that there's a hundred percent a reason for this. So. Reason number one, Seth Rollins is injured. The other world heavyweight champion is injured. Number two, CM Punk nearly won the Rumble, but after the Rumble, came out of it injured. They want a huge star to headline WrestleMania. And that's what it comes down to, ladies and gentlemen. Wrestling is a business. I'm sorry. They're in it to make money. The entertainment world as a whole is a business. Yeah. You know? So, just get over it. Get over it. Get over it. Just sit back and enjoy what comes out. If you don't like it, fine. You don't like it. If you like it, you like it. Am I disappointed that I'm not going to see Cody and Roman at WrestleMania? A little bit, but who knows what will happen with the storyline. And finally, the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation have been given a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 51st Saturn Awards. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um... Basically, like if if you look at the history of it, there's a lot to it. They mm-hmm. they were nominated six times for best uh, best sci fi TV show, won twice, um, and they have all been involved in the genre forever, and it, they deserve it. Yeah, they deserve no, the yeah. They deserve the award. Uh, the only un- the only unfortunate thing is Lavar Burton and Jonathan Frakes won't be weren't there to accept the award. Scheduling differences. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, happens. everybody else was there though. It happens. And, you know, it's it's so interesting, too, when you look at something like that, because you had your original series, which is very much in the lore of Star Trek. I mean, yes. that's what started it all, right? Then the next big, biggest one is the next generation. You know, yeah. for, th- for hundreds, millions of people, that is Star Trek. Yeah. And I just loved a lot of the camaraderie. I loved a lot of the, uh, the energy that was there. I loved how they all... Like it was, there was chemistry with that. There was, yeah. You know, and the stories were very compelling, especially when you started getting into the Borg and Lacutus and all those kind of really interesting things. Like I remember one called "A Fistful of Datas." You know? And, oh, I love oh that. Oh my god! Yeah. And some of them were were maybe a little bit campy, but I mean, like once it settled in and they their budget was bigger and they settled into the characters. And the characters grew. You saw these really great arcs, and you saw these great character developments, and you saw like this whole idea that culminated in first contact, where Picard calls Worf a coward, and Worf says, "If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand." And then yeah. Picard has to come back and apologize later on and say. You know, you're the bravest man I've ever known. But I'm just like, it's that kind of dynamic that, to me, anyway, I thought First Contact was the best Next Generation movie. Yeah. I, I don't think any of the other ones really compared to that because it's leaping off of that whole thing with the Borg. And you have this idea of this leader. And they played in that 
later on in, in the reboot, too, with old Spock and Chris Pine Kirk, you know, where he's telling him, it's like, my world has been destroyed. I am compromised. I'm telling you, I am compromised. Yeah. I, old Spock, am telling you, young Spock, you can drive him to this point. And there's always that kind of struggle where they're friends, but they're colleagues, and there's going to be that difference of opinion, and it's going to clash. And whenever you have that clash, it's compelling. Yeah. And in all honesty, that's what it comes down to is you have the next generation crew often see oftentimes seems less like a crew and more like a family. Yeah. Yeah. And in all honesty, they're they're Patrick Shure is just amazing. Of course he is. Of course he is. Speaking of awards, you mentioned the Saturn Awards. It is award season in Hollywood. The whether you think it's self-congratulatory or not. It's kind of fun to watch because you never know what's going to happen at these things. Yeah, no kidding. When you go back in the history of the Oscars and Sashi Littlefeather gets up and tells everyone that Marlon Brando says, nope, not accepting the award because of the treatment of Native Americans. And then you have David Niven giving an award and out pops a streaker. That that is a thing that happened. Yeah, and Elizabeth Taylor has to get on afterwards to present an award, and she is shook. You know, when you have Jack Lemon uh running to get somewhere, and Clint Eastwood is trying to do Jack Lemon's speech, and he's just like saying to the cue card guy, like, come on with the cue cards, man. This isn't my bag. And Jack Lemon comes running on. Guess where I was? He had to go to the bathroom. You can't script those things. And even when it is scripted, sometimes it is just so hilarious. Like Miss Piggy, Johnny Carson. And she sits there and she says, can Vu, Jonathan, stand there in your rented tuxedo and tell me that I am not Oscar material? And he says, Oscar Meyer, maybe. <laughs> that is hilarious. Dare you to have this puppet. Basically bitching that she's not been nominated for an Oscar for like the Muppet movie or something like that. And that's what's great about it. It's like you have this puppet that's acting like a real person, like they should be nominated, like a legit Hollywood actress, you know? Like Billy Crystal's stunt. It's legendary. Uh, When Jack Palance gets up there and does like a a one-handed push-up and Billy Crystal just went... Oh, oh, yes, it's improv Tom now. And off he goes for the whole Oscars, just, you know, making fun of Jack Palance or spoofing Jack Palance. And then the following year, Crystal's hosting again, and Jack Palance is, like, pulling him on this giant Oscar, dragging him out. (laughs) Just, you love stuff like that. And that's what you look for. That's Mm -hmm. what you want to see. Some years are good. Some years are a snooze fest. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. And some years you have Glenn Close basically informing all of these black actors that she knows rap music. And you're just like, you you went for it. Woman knew her stuff. You were impressed. Good on you. Mm-hmm. Good on you. And I'm like, you go, Glenn. You go. You go, Glenn. Go, go. So we're going to talk first about the Oscars. Now, we're not going to do a deep dive. We've talked about the Oscars before. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about what is nominated. We're going to talk about some of the big categories. Where shall we start? Shall we start with uh, Best Picture? Yeah, I think I'm good with that. Okay. Well, So what's nominated for Best Picture, guys? Best Picture is American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killer of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer, Mm -hmm. Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. So, I've heard of a couple of them. I've seen exactly one of them. Yeah, same. Um, I do want to see poor things though. That looks that looks it does look interesting. Um, so what do you think? Is Oppenheimer? Pretty sure it's going to be Oppenheimer. I th- it's either. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say without seeing them. But the fact of the matter is, is Oppenheimer not by itself, but Oppenheimer was a huge cultural landmark this, this yeah, last year. That and Barbie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's. 
like I said, uh, kill, killer, Killers of the Flowers. Killer Kill- of, the Martin Scorsese film that I can't say. Killers that, of the Flower Moon. Thank you. That one's probably going to be in, in the running as well, easily. But Christopher Nolan, an Oppenheimer movie with, and let's let's face it, we know that the 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 bomb was done practically. That alone deserves some like the recognition. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's. Uh, I, I would say Oppenheimer's probably at the top of the list. I think so. I think that's the one that they're going to get. But I think that there's some cultural relevance to it. I think that there's a story that Hollywood just loves to kind of tell. Uh, I think that you know with Barbie, I don't know that. The Academy is ready to do something like that yet, but they have honored it because it made a ton of money. It saved the box it office. It saved the box office this, this summer. That is 100% true. So while we're on that, how many how many nominations does Oppenheimer and Barbie have? Because I think they're leading, aren't they? I believe so. Because mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be sound editing and sound mixing and, mm-hmm. and uh, production design and Acting and directing and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's really interesting kind of to see the totals because Oppenheimer uh, dominates with 13. 13 nines. Wow. And poor things follows with 11. 11. Ooh. I really need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on then to best director. Who do we have? Directing is. Anatomy of a Fall, uh, Justine Treat, Treat, Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese. Oppenheimer, Nolan, Poor Things, um, Yorgos Lathimos, and The Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer. So I think it's going to be Nolan. I Scorsese has been has had his accolades he's won numerous yeah. times um nolan is kind of leading the young director pack yeah i think he'll be nolan as well yeah. to be honest with you uh nolan's work speaks for itself even t- even putting oppenheimer aside this guy is brilliant as a is a filmmaker is brilliant in ways that a lot of modern filmmakers are not well look at the batman trilogy i mean how he got a superhero movie nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And the, the Dark Knight specifically, he took Batman and made it into a city crime film akin to Heat. Yeah. Like, what a, one, an insurmountable task, yeah. and two, what a genius. And Gotham wasn't just a sound stage somewhere. Yeah. It was an actual, it was Chicago. Yeah, the U Chicago, which... Yeah. Makes the most sense to me. Yeah, it was beautifully done. Um, and I, I, I think he has won before, but I, I think he deserves it for Oppenheimer. That was a wild ride. It wasn't really quite what I expected. Um, and out of the biopic, there were some moments that surprised me. There were some moments that shocked me. Mm-hmm. And all culminating to the detonation of the bomb. And you kind of felt that that pacing you you felt that anticipation you felt that fear yeah of what because we know what happens you know we know through history what that meant what that moment meant so to to see that moment and to capture it as beautifully as he did because it's a long movie but did not feel like one and that's what you want like if when a movie is like about three hours long you want it to feel like it's two yeah you know. the, the worst is when it's three hours long and it feels, feels like, like five. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Three hour long movie feels like two weeks. So oh. who is up for best male performer? I think that's what they're calling it now. I don't think they're calling it best actor or actress. I think it's performance by a male lead or something like yeah. that. Um, Which I, I think is actually kind of leading, worse. No, it's actor in leading and actor in supporting and then actress oh. in leading. And oh, maybe it's the Golden supporting. Globes that switched it around. So sorry, which one leading? Yeah, so, leading actor. Leading actor is Bradley Cooper. For Maestro. Yep. Coleman Domingo. 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 Sorry, guys. Domingo for Rustin. Paul. For what? Rustin. Rustin. R-U-S-T-I-N. Rustin. 
Right. Cool. Okay. Uh, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Right. Cillian Murphy for Oppenheimer and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Oh, Jeffrey Wright has been yeah, around for a while. What's yeah, Jeffrey Wright is an interesting one because like he he's good, he's really good. I don't know Coleman Domingo. I do know Bradley Cooper. I have Paul Giamatti, Cillian Murphy, and Jeffrey Wright. So these are really some powerhouse actors. But I'm thinking it's definitely going to be Cillian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Probably. Um, although, I mean, Paul Giamatti has range. He does. If anyone's going to take it, though, it would be Bradley Cooper for Maestro, I think. God, the... Like, if, if I, they're going to take it away from him. But I, I think they It would either be a tie or... But I, I really think Killian Murphy's going to get it for Oppenheimer. When I saw the makeup for Bradley Cooper and Maestro, I didn't realize it was Bradley Cooper. Mm -hmm. But, like... The, the recognition of Bradley Cooper and Maestro is the same as the recognition as uh, Bradley Cooper and Guardians of the Galaxy. Just did not realize it was him. It is hilarious. I don't mean physically for Guardians. <laughs> Stop laughing. I meant the voice. It doesn't sound like Bradley Cooper. No, it doesn't sound like... And it doesn't look like him either. No, it definitely it <laughs> That was like a, a great makeup job making him into Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> Uh, speaking of makeup, what what is what is up for makeup? I I like that category. It's interesting because it's kind of one of those categories that uh, it started with uh, an American Werewolf in London. That was the very first Oscar for makeup, and of course it went to Rick Baker, who actually has a ton of Oscars for makeup. Yeah, like he is the upper echelon of makeup artists. Uh, so what is up for makeup? Just because I'm curious, because that's the thing. You you take something like American Werewolf in London. You take something like Bram Stoker's Dracula. You take something like The Grinch. You, you take even, something like Star Trek. Yes. You even take something like um, the, the makeup for Ed Wood, where I understand it because you're you're turning Martin Lando into Bella Lugosi, you know, so there's makeup involved. So I get that. But lately I've found like a lot of the makeup and hairstyling has been like... Suicide Squad. Yeah. Just like, well, mm, you know. So what is up for makeup this year? Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. So, heard of three of these movies. Yeah, we were just discussing. So that's what I. That's why I was curious because maybe Maestro would get the makeup award yeah. if they've transformed Bradley Cooper into somebody that. But Oppenheimer is a period piece, and those are well, hard to do uh, nowadays. Well, not for makeup, but. Uh, uh. Go makeup and hairstyling. Yeah. Poor things. I mean, I don't know, but it, it's hard to it's hard to pick that one. It's really hard. So that's always interesting. My guess is Oppenheimer. But they don't do like the latex anymore. This is the problem. This category has kind of it's kind of been subverted by a lot of the visual computer generated effects. It. I mean, and that's that's kind of the thing though is that there are movies that do do. The latex, like if you look at Star Trek Beyond, for mm -hmm. example, like mm -hmm. that was practical makeup effects. There were, pr I mean, there were practical makeup effects in um, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah, that's not nominated, but I think part of it, part of it is, is that maybe the Academy is having a hard time looking at what we're seeing as practical versus CGI. Right, and that could be. On the flip side. Visual effects. We have The Creator, Godzilla Minus One. Yeah! Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, yeah. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, okay. and Napoleon. And Godzilla Minus One visual effects. I didn't think you could make a CGI thing look like a guy in a suit, but it was awesome. Godzilla the, was amazing there, in that there, movie. there was a sense of realism in that Godzilla that I have never seen in any of the CGI Godzilla movies. Yeah. You know, the sad part is I have not seen it. it I really want to yeah. see it. He there, moves like a guy in a suit, and, what's, and it's what's amazing. What's really cool, too, is that they put it out, and now they've re-released it as the black and white version. Yeah. Ooh. Which but, is, like, there's what, even some scenes in Godzilla... Sorry, I have to... Just, yeah. Where it looks like Harry Housen animated Godzilla. Yeah, because... They, and they didn't. Like, it's is CGI. It be, is it because they, this is going back to the original uh, Raymond Burr one, right? With Ishido... It, it, I can't... 
It's based it's, on... It's, it's yeah. basically... It's basically essentially kind of a prequel to the original Right, yeah. right. So that's that's yeah. why. And, but, yeah, but they made... And it, and it was Toho cool. Studios, right? It, uh, yeah, it's Toho. Yeah. yeah. Um, the... It is a brilliant movie. And the... Like, looking at... Like, I've seen... Um, least you know a couple of these movies thank you uh i've seen godzilla minus one i've seen guardians of the galaxy i've watched bits and pieces of mission impossible the, the fact of the matter is is godzilla out of what i've seen deserves it because yeah. and it's not just the cgi monster it is the 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 set of this kind of um pre-modern Tokyo. Like right. When we think of Tokyo, we think of the big modern city, but this is a... This is 1950s a city from Tokyo. 1940s yeah. Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the destruction that they do to it, all the shots of the destruction, And absolutely. the scenes on the ocean with the boat. Oh my God. Oh man, when, I can't when, wait to see it. When, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Godzilla's chasing them. He's he, he wants okay, to okay, okay, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna, gonna start gushing. Yeah, yeah, Love just just movie. don't. I haven't seen it. No, one Godzilla's one, gonna get it. One thing <laughs> I'm going to say, and I've said it again how is it Asian filmmakers are able to take something like a monster movie or a zombie movie and turn it into an emotional piece because they tell stories differently in different countries? Best actress, let's move on there. Best actress is uh, in a leading role. We have Annette Benning, oh. Lily Gladstone, Sarah, uh, sorry, Sandra Huller, Carrie Mulligan, and Emma Stone. That in a leading role. In a leading role. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. Um. Hmm. That's going to be a hard one to call because Lily Gladstone, she won the um, Golden Globe for this role. And I thought she was in the Best Supporting Actress category in the Golden Globe. She might not have been. I'm just trying to remember. Um, but there's a lot of buzz around Emma Stone and Poor Things. Yeah, a ton of it too. Because she won the Golden Globe. As did Lily Gladstone, but it wasn't. I, so I'm pretty sure Lily Gladstone was in like the best supporting character, like act actors for the Golden Globes. This, this is going to be one to watch, mm-hmm. um, because Lily Gladstone she is uh, Native Native American, and I think it's the first time that a Native American has been nominated in this category. Um. So, yeah, I mean, these are all really strong actresses. I can't pick this one. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's either going to go to Lily Gladstone or Emma Stone. So, either way, one of the stones. Mm-hmm. Nick, what are your thoughts? Uh, Emma Stone. Yeah? Yeah. Ren? I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself. Oh, let them go. Holy cow. All right. All right. Be that way. Okay. Okay. Uh, You know, this is the problem that we're having with the Oscars. And it happens every year and it gets worse every year. These movies never play mainstream around here. Yeah. You know, like uh, Killers of the Flower Moon did. And that's it. The rest of them. No, I think yeah. we now people. Go. I know people will say, "Well, over in London at the Highland, yeah, but the Highland only has them on at like specific times." Yeah, and if you can't get to that specific time, it's not like it plays for a week. It's like, yeah, on Friday night we're playing this movie, and on the fact. Okay, this gets into a bit of a business thing, but the fact of the matter is, is this is a an issue that's going on across North America. Theaters want to make money. Yeah, so they're going to book. Yeah, the mo- the movies are going to most likely make money, and Absolutely. so stuff like this kind of gets thrown to the the side. Yeah, but the thing of it is, they're not making money, so maybe, but so maybe they need to realize that hey, it's great. Like I'll use our local theater as an example. They put out every kids' movie. Yeah, every single one, and 
they're missing out on the fact that it's like, okay, you're making money off of that. Sure. Cause mom, dad, grandma, grandpa take the kids to see the latest piece of crap kids movie. But the rest of us aren't coming because you're not showing movies we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that, but yeah, essentially. Yeah. So it makes it difficult to get out to see these movies. And that leads to whole a whole other issue like pirating and stuff like that. Yeah, and sometimes the marketing is bad. Like I still say, the Last Voyage of the Demeter is a fantastic movie. Or fang- I still haven't seen it. Fantastic movie that everybody needs to see. It's it's ripping. It is really good. Um, you know, like what what I don't know what's happening with the movie industry. You know, it's like they're not building legends. They're not building. They're not even building like new cultural iconic things you know it's like the superheroes had their their day i feel so now what i don't know i don't know but let's move into the supporting categories shall we um actress or actor first you pick we're gonna do actress okay supporting actress. we have emily blunt Mm -hmm. danielle brooks america ferrera Right, oh, Jodie Foster, and Davin Joy Randolph. So, Dav- Dav- wow. Dav- so Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Daniel Brooks for The Color Purple, America Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for Nyad, and Davin Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. That is a tough category to call. Wow. I is Daniel Brooks playing the Oprah Winfrey role? Because th- this is the musical version of yeah, the that's color the musical purple. version of the color purple. And it'd be interesting to see if if it is the same character. Because how interesting would that be to do that rollback where Oprah Winfrey was nominated for Best Supporting Actress way back then in the original Color Purple, and then to see this actress nominated in the same role if it is the same role. That'd be interesting. Um, again, most of these movies, other than Barbie, I said, did I tell you what I did? Oh my gosh. So I went to see Barbie and I went, I went to see Oppenheimer first. Mm-hmm. Then I went to see Barbie, separate days. So I thought, okay, I'll get into the spirit of it. I went to a matinee because I just didn't want to deal with the throngs of people that mm-hmm. were going to see Barbie. So I had these, uh, a pink shirt and blue shorts all kind of Barbie colors. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and the you get my tickets. They, what are you here to see? And I just looked at my shirt and shorts and I went Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, she believed me. I'm like, no, no, I'm here to see Barbie. <laughs> uh, just an FYI, um, Danielle Brooks and Oprah both played Sophia. I knew it. That's interesting. To me, that's fascinating. That is uh, that's really cool. I like it when things come come. Yeah, it's kind of come full circle that way in a way, right? Yeah. All right, so let's talk. I can't really talk about this one because I haven't really outside of Barbie, I haven't really seen any of these movies. I'm, and Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt, I figured would be nominated for best supporting actress in this role, but whether she's going to win, that's a tough call. America Ferrera was really good in Barbie. Um, I. But again, I haven't seen these other movies, so I can't really say. So just based but, on the fact that... But it's that moment. It's that moment. I don't think it's the overall performance. I well, think yeah, it's that talk, moment. Yeah, we've talked about that. There's always... There's a moment. Yeah. Where, like, um, but yeah. No, because, I, I mean, like Kate McKenna as Weird Barbie. Come on. I mean, that was brilliant. I mean, if you ever wanted to give an Oscar for a comedy performance, like, come on. Kate McKenna knocked Weird Barbie out of the park. That was just fantastic as yeah. far as I was concerned. Um... I'm just going to say America Ferrera because that's all I've seen this year <laughs> for supporting. Well, it, it's kind of interesting, too, because a lot of times the Oscars will sit there and unless, you're, unless your performance is just that great, it's very rare for somebody who is new in the industry to win an Oscar. Now, nominated, yes, but they look at it as like the nomination is your reward. Oh. Well, um, Daniel Brooks. Oh, Daniel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the nominee, you know, but 
you're up against Emily Blunt, you're up against Jodie Foster, legendary Jodie Foster. Well, yeah, there's another thing. It's Jodie Foster, right? America Fair has been around for a while. Everyone yeah. loved her in Ugly Betty. So that's the thing. It's like, does sometimes it's who you, they owe it to. Yeah. You know, like you cannot tell me that uh, Pacino's performance, although it was good, Incent of a Woman, was really all that Oscar worthy. It kind of was because he's playing this blind guy, right? Mm -hmm. But it's more or less that, I think, is like, we didn't give it to you for The Godfather. You've done this really great performance here. We're going to make up for it. It's almost like a lifetime achievement. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I I think that will come into play in our next category, which is Best Supporting Actor. The Best Supporting Actor is Sterling K. Brown. Ooh. Uh, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, and Mark Ruffalo. Ooh. Mark Ruffalo. Okay. We got the Hulk versus Iron Man. Yeah. Oh. So what we have here is uh, Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction, Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling, Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. I really got to see Poor Things. It sounds so interesting. Um, yes, Iron Man versus the Hulk. And Iron Man is going to bring out the Hulkbuster and take it. Now, here's the thing. This is what I was getting at. Robert Downey Jr. has been nominated numerous times. Has not won. Mm-hmm. He absolutely deserves to win this Oscar for this performance. He was fantastic in, in Oppenheimer. Just blew me away not a trace of your typical robert downey jr no trace of tony stark at all he was just vicious and and cerebral and just a it's a lesson in acting almost i don't think anybody else is going to take it or even come close and there's a couple reasons one the performance was that good and two as i said he's been nominated a lot of times and not one. Probably deserved to, like for Chaplin, as an example. But the other thing, too, is that Robert Downey Jr. is really high paid and really beloved. There are all kinds of performances I can look at that have won Oscars, but they were also the highest paid actor or actress in Hollywood at the time. And Hollywood... Hollywood's history goes, you know, you can't you, you, mm, you can't be that high paid and not have an Oscar. So here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here. Um, but I, I don't know who else would pull up to this category in that, especially not having seen the movies. Um, but I think part of it, too, because people were saying Ryan Gosling was nominated for Barbie and Margot Robbie was not, and this is a travesty. I have a feeling, and it's no shade to Ryan Gosling, this past movie season was not particularly stellar for the best supporting categories, especially when it came to actors. Yeah. So here you have Gosling doing this really interesting and comedic performance, and he is Knuff with the nomination. But I, I think it's almost one of those things, too, where do they stack the deck a little bit? Do they sit there and go, we really want Robert Downey Jr. to get this. We have to round out the category. Can we round it out with somebody that the audience would not be expecting to win and therefore does not? It's it's all speculation. I can't say. It's all a show. I can't it's say. It's all a show. Ren, Ren has this very confused look on their face. She's, they are deep in thought. What are you thinking? I have a lot of thoughts about the Oscars that I keep to myself. (laughs) um, It's very heated. Um, Very opinionated. Very opinionated. Um, And I just keep it to myself. (laughs) None none of these this year is not going to pull in audience numbers, I don't think. No, they've been losing audiences year over year. Because they don't care. But, you know, at the same time, you cannot nominate fluff. Okay. But why not? If that's what people want to see and that's what people watch. 
then why is Fluff not getting nominated? Well, hang on, hang on. Let's let's roll back just a second. Yes, I I understand what you're saying. But the fact of the matter is, is the numbers aren't just going... Yes, there are people who don't care. But the fact of the matter is, is millennials and younger are cord cutters. The vast majority of us don't have cable. We're not too right. to watch this crap. Right, right. Sorry, shouldn't have said that. But we're, they're, they're just not streaming. That's us. true. That's true. So... So maybe they're a little out of touch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I listen, there have been some movies that have been nominated that I personally think you go. Huh? Oh, what was, okay. that, ben, what was that Benedict Cumberbatch? One? Power of the Dog is well acted. It's got beautiful cinematography. And I was just chomping at the bit for it to be over with. <laughs> and it got quite a few nominations. Listen, I, I. <laughs> they need to do something to bring people in. And yeah, they do. In all honesty, there has to be some kind of presence of fluff at these mo- at these shows. Yeah. Because people don't... But that, They need but, to give people a reason to watch. But that's the thing. When they try something, they did like a stunt thing last year about uh, fan favorite or one of yeah, those Yeah, and people favorite. turn their nose up at it. Yeah, I mean, they don't, don't... Because they don't listen to fans. Well, no. they The fans turn their... Kind of knows up at it. The thing is, it's it's a pointless award. You have to look at the construction of the movie as a whole. It may not be to your taste, but you have to look at it. It's like, where is the... There's the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. That's what it really is, right? So all of these things, it's an art and it is a science. You can make a, an indie film like uh, that shark one that you... Talk about Dracula, shark, or whatever. Sharkula? Sharkula. <laughs> you know, and like that's like someone saying, I really enjoyed it. That should be the best picture of the year. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> okay. No, it Let, shouldn't. Okay. So to, to put it very mildly, there are Oscar-winning films I have watched that I did not like. Exactly. Now, the thing is, I didn't like them. That does not mean that they're bad films. Exactly. I just didn't like exactly. them. Exactly. There's a difference between what you personally enjoy because I always hate the fact that somebody says, it scared me, therefore it's a horror movie. Well, you know what? When I was a kid, going through the... I mean, it's about as horror as it gets. When you're going through the tunnel in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that is scary. It is not a horror movie. The opening scene of Look Who's Talking To scared the crap out of me as a kid. Why? Because he's having some kind of dream about some demon coming from above the toilet. I don't know. I don't remember all of it that much. Look Who's Talking To. Yeah. The Talking Babies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> also, Talking Babies. That's frightening enough as it is. Okay. <laughs> I think Nick has lost some credibility here. Ren, you wanted to talk about best animated. Animated feature films. Uh, we have The Boy and the Heron. Uh, Elemental. Nimona. Nimona. Robot Dreams. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Uh, so Nick, we, Nick had a, a, a gasm here of Nimona. What yeah. is, okay. I, I've never okay. heard of it. What is it? Go ahead. So we have a Miyazaki film, right. which means it's stunning and gorgeous. Of and course. also, once again, Japanese. Miyazaki. Elemental, which in my... Eh, is but whatever. Uh, Nimona, which is amazing and awesome. And what just, is it about? So it's about It's this, about two hours. No. no. What is it's it about, about this uh knight who gets framed for attacking the king, gets kicked out, finds this demon kind of creature thing. Yeah. Um and okay, I wanna see it. becomes really good friends with them. And uh basically they have to like prove that he's not Evil. That, that he's not yeah. evil and he didn't try to kill the king. And what style of animation is it? Amazing. No, no. What uh, style? It's, <laughs> it's like a cartoony, like a like a comic book sort of uh, 3D kind of. It kind of sort of similar to like Spider-Man, but less comic book. Yeah, it's very similar to Spider-Man Across the Universe. Okay. okay. Less of the cell shading. But okay. the amazing part is that not only are the knights, the two main knights, in a gay relationship, but Nimona is non-binary. As in, like, what is Nimona? I don't know, but it's yeah. amazing. 
and mm-hmm. constantly is just like, I'm a shark. No, I'm a this. And like can shapeshift. Right. And oh, it's amazing. I It's so touching. I cried. I watched it with, with Zipper. And I just went, okay, whatever. This is going to be another uh, cartoon movie. And I watched it and I'm like, this boils down everything that Zipper and Ren has explained to me about being non-binary. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's a really neat watch. It could win because Hollywood does like to get mm-hmm. political. It is um, just a good film in general because, like, Nimona's an outsider yeah, yeah. who, like, can't be allowed in the city. Uh, and... I can't judge it because I haven't seen it, unfortunately. In yeah. fact, I hadn't even heard of it. It's it's on Netflix. Moment. Yeah, it's a Netflix. It's, it's a Netflix film? Yeah. Okay, I'll be able it's to so check great. it out. Um, I, me, I love, yeah, I love anime. So I, I would mm-hmm. be soft. I, I, I'm rooting for the boy and the heron. I need then to see that. I haven't seen it, but I'm rooting for it because Ro- I love anime. Yeah, Robot Dreams. I honestly have not seen that. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I haven't seen that, but I did see the I, first Spider-Man yeah. movie like that. And that one was amazing. And it so. won. It did win, yeah. It, it won. Mm-hmm. So this one is but pretty... That, that's what I'm wondering. Will this one win again... Or will they divert? Like, will they throw some diversity? Yeah, all I, mean, I want, all I know I, is I don't want elemental. It's it's going to be Miyazaki or Nimona. Yeah, is you what think? is my bet. Mm. I mean, it's, it's it's a Studio Ghibli film, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that that alone, I mean, it, it's going to be a brilliant film, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Still need to see it, but it's going to be wonderful. I I would like to see Nimona win, but. If Nimona doesn't win, I'll be good with uh, the boy in the heron. Yeah, just well, that's the categories that we kind of were interested in and wanted to talk about. We're not going to throw on and on about this, but one thing that we do have to talk about. Oh my gosh, we have to have to talk about it. The Super Bowl. Yeah, but we're not talking about the Super Bowl because what do we know about football? I watched it for three years and I've learned nothing. I can play the Madden video games okay. And you don't even consider this real football anyway, Nick. No, no, are, this is hand egg. You are free. Hand egg. <laughs> hand egg championship. And, you know, I, I, I can count on one hand the amount of sporting events I watch in a year. But everybody is losing their minds over this, not because of the game itself, but because of the possibility of five whole seconds of a view of Tay-Tay. Taylor Swift coming to support her man, Travis Kelsey. The tightest of tight ends. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what the tight end does. <laughs> he's, he's a tight end. <laughs> That's what he does. But it doesn't, does it not beg the question if there is a tight end somewhere there must be a loose end? And if there was a loose end, does that loose end need to be tied? And if that loose end is tied, is it tied by Tay-Tay? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But everybody is talking about it. Everybody is losing their minds about it, either because she has the possibility, or they've done the math, because she's got a concert in Japan. Mm-hmm. Can she get there? They've done the math. Like they, the, the fans are ravenous. The Taylor Swifties, they are ravenous. They're like, she can make it. There's a hotel like right there outside, and she will be able to make it if she sleeps on the plane, and if she does her colonic, and all these crazy things. And it's like, wow, you can you can figure out whether or not Taylor Swift can make it from Japan to the Super Bowl, but you cannot figure out okay, we can, we can how figure diabetes out. works. Girl math. <laughs> we can figure out if, 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 if Swift's going to make it from Japan to the Super Bowl, but let me tell you about two trains traveling at the same speed <laughs> on opposite directions. It should be really fun and really interesting because here's the whole thing about it. There are countries that want Taylor Swift to perform there because this woman, she's only 34. Yeah, she's 34 years old. Mm-hmm. She has her own economy. She is a... At this point, she's past pop culture. Taylor Swift herself is a is a cultural phenomenon. I'm waiting to see what she transcends into her final form. Because it's, it started off as this cute little teenage country singer, and now she is this worldwide phenomenon that is just making certain segments of society cringe 
cringe to the nth degree and you just want to smack them. I love the conversation we had. There was, you had put out that some troll yeah. had basically said that uh, with Travis Kelsey getting a uh, 70000 $70, $70, bonus, bonus, that Taylor Swift was a gold digger. And, and I'm just like, the woman is worth $1.1 billion. If anyone is a gold digger in the relationship, it ain't her. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, the 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 mental gymnastics that some of these people are having to put themselves through to decry the fact that Taylor Swift shows up on screen for five seconds and the the NFL is loving it because the NFL has never had this kind of attention in a long long time. But the biggest question is why did they choose Usher and not Taylor Swift to do the halftime show? She wasn't available. She got a show in Japan. She's rich. She, she will be racing. But she can clearly come back enough for the football game and then go back. Like, yeah, but I mean, hmm. I mean. But also, Usher? Also, also, I'm just going to say this. You say that like he's a nobody. Um, <laughs> Why? What has Usher done lately? Why? But here's the, the thing. The Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Could the, could the Super Bowl, and this is the biggest sporting event in North America, could the Super Bowl afford her? Mm. Or you know the thing of it is, like no, no. Here's the thing. I think I think this is really what it boils down to. She's there to support Travis Kelsey. That's his arena. Yeah, I think. That's Even though the, more like, like things are being like shied away from, if she did that, that would take that spotlight away yeah. from him and, and his team and all that. Kind and of stuff. she, yeah, she is a powerhouse, but at the same time, she's like, no, this is your show. Yeah, like, this is your thing. I mean, that would be like you know if things were reversed. And she's got a show, and like at intermission, it's like, and here's Travis Kelsey now yeah. doing a catching a pass, and like, no, no, I would die. I would actually die if that happened. But anyway, I, I listen. I, I don't know. I don't think that we should criticize this couple. I think that they are actually a nice couple. I think that they've done a lot for the Leave NFL. Taylor Swift alone. They, they listen, the Swifties will cut you. They will cut you. They have. If Taylor Swift wanted to take over the world as the, the Earth... No, but if she wanted to take over as the supreme dictator of the Earth, she has a whole army that will let it happen. I'd welcome it. So, you know, it's just like, let's let's be let's be fair here. It's a night... She's, she's 34 years old. If she wants to have children, which I imagine she does, and she has this handsome, rugged, alpha male... That she can marry and have children with. The time is ticking. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I, I bless the union. I, I hope it goes well for them. I hope that they get married because, you know, hello, Vegas, wedding chapel right there. Alternatively, if they break up, the songs that are going to come out of it are going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I think I've seen, like, I don't pay attention to who's dating who and who's losing who because you know at the end of the day these are people you know they're human beings they have this job they're in the spotlight we think we own them for some reason but they owe us something we don't we don't we're not owed their private lives no um so i really hope that it works out for them because i'm kind of for it you know i'm kind of for this this thing she's she's had a rough go of it they seem to be in love they seem to really be having a good time together um i and you know what and if it if they did break up that would kind of be awful i think i think it would just it'd be awful for the nfl it'd be awful for her but you know talk about putting your eggs in one basket like listen nfl this tells you something you know you you've, you've got to make things a little more entertaining somehow <laughs> a little more entertaining i get now, all the nfl players to have have High-profile girlfriends. Now, Tay-Tay is not enough for me to tune in and watch a football game. I watched, I did watch a football game. I watched my very first Rose Bowl game, uh, New Year's Day. The very first time I watched the Rose Bowl. Only because I have this person that I've been talking to in Alabama, and they were really an Alabama fan. I said, I'll make a deal with you. I said, I will watch Alabama on in the Rose Bowl. And then we can talk about it to support you and your, your team. Roll Tide. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. And it was her own fault because she made me watch it. And anytime I watch something that I'm rooting for a team, they lose. <laughs> so 
I'm telling you, out there in listening land, aliens, which side in the Super Bowl do you want to win? I, I'll be taking checks, money orders, cash. I, and I will root for the team that you want to lose. Patreon subscriptions, Kofi. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us one more time. Apparently they can get a hold of us on DraftKings now. Anyway, <laughs> um, TikTok, Instagram, uh, the other one. Facebook, <laughs> YouTube. You. Facebook, YouTube. Patreon. The, at the Area 51 age, Area 51 and a half. <laughs> Patreon. Come spend some money with us. Get some neat things. We'll give you a shout out. <laughs> You've mentally broken me, John. This isn't the first time. Why are you acting so surprised? I'm not surprised. And remind them about our game night one more time. Oh, don't forget to come out on Monday nights to the St. Thomas Denny's at Elgin Center. It starts at 4 o'clock until closing time at 8. Come, play some games, get some snacks, have a good time. All right, aliens, that is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half. This is Spookickle John and... Snyderman 501 Nick Snyder. Ren, a.k.a. Pyro Lily. Signing off from the landing pad. Nice. Nice. Nice.